Welcome, loves. I am so glad you're here. This week, I'm joined by the amazing Dr. Lars Gunner, a founder, educator, and chiropractor in the Gunstead Method, specializing in functional medicine, high performance, and prenatal care. We covered a lot. Dr. Lars shares his philosophy and practice in healing and how our spine health impacts every other area of our lives, even in our relationships. We also dive deep into flow state, what it is, how to get there, and we talk about how each of us have our own unique superpowers. We just have to be open to seeing what they are. You're going to like this. Buckle up and let's dive in. Welcome to End the Calm Podcast. I'm your host, Georgiana Alexander, founder of Chaos and Calm. I'm an entrepreneur, quantum life explorer, leadership business strategist, and transformation coach. I'm actually obsessed with helping others up-level and connect to their truth. That starts with deep diving into what's possible. This is your community, your home for connection, expansion, learning, and laughter. So join me and my guests each week as we get into all the good stuff, health and wellness, life, business, relationships, and my personal favorite, quantum up-levels. I'm so glad you're here. You belong. Dr. Lars is in the house. Welcome to In the Calm Podcast. So excited for you to be here sharing your wisdom, your perspective, and your experience with us. Awesome. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. We've both had an interesting day. You've had someone passing out on your table before you even <laughs> did the work. I came to see you this morning to get my adjustment in and my body went into sleep mode. Lots of fun things happening around here. Just all in the day of chiropractic, it sounds mm-hmm. like. So. I have interesting days. I've never woken up and been able to predict exactly what my day is going to be like, which is what I like. It's fun. Yeah, There's right. no, no monotony. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm the same way. I wouldn't know what to do with a day that anywhere looked like the one previous, it would be more shocking to me than than how my life looks. And so just to kind of dive into your background and history, I can't wait. There's so much I want to get into actually, because you work in a Gunstead method, which is very specific. And we're going to dive into that for everyone listening and your journey down this chiropractic road, because you do so many different things as well. You've got background in functional medicine, prenatal, pediatric, so much. And we always go on these deep dives whenever we see each other. We're going to get to all of that, you guys. But to start out with, can you share with us what led you into this journey of chiropractic care? What was the interest for you? At a young age, I realized I wanted to be in something related to fitness or healthcare. I always had a draw to it. I was always an athlete. I had a lot of fun moving my body, experiencing life that way. I was actually experiencing low levels of flow state when I was really young, where I felt the best when I was moving. And I was also really curious in how the body worked. Came from a family of medical background. Basically, everyone was nursing, medical doctors, firefighters, paramedics, and just was around that language growing mm. up. So it just kind of seemed like the writing on the wall. I was, I was somehow either going to be a firefighter growing up or maybe something in medicine. I remember being very young. I was probably around 14 or 15 years old and I had a back injury. It was a small back injury. Nothing wow. really came of it. And then it kind of built. I was playing high school football at the time. And then I remember my back just failing at one point where I had numbness and tingling in my legs. I couldn't really sit or stand for longer than a few minutes without pretty severe pain. As a young kid, 
we really don't even recognize pain. We don't have a name for it. Mm-hmm. It's either growing pains or you're tired or you don't want to go to school. Like there's there's random pains <laughs> that way, but physical pain is not something we're really familiar with. And I remember becoming really familiar with it young. It got to the point where I couldn't feel my feet, essentially. I had wow. numbness tingling into my feet. I wasn't able to work out anymore. I was asking the, the trainer at the school, I was like, what do I do? I'm like, my back hurts. I want to be able to work out. What can you do? And I just remember her saying, there's really nothing you can do when you hurt your back. It hurts everything. I remember that ringing in my head a lot, like your back being everything. That doesn't make sense to me. Like, help me make that make sense. I started the journey of seeing massage therapists and physical therapists and orthopedic surgeons. And everyone just kind of brushed me off and said the same thing. Oh, it's a sprain. It's a strain. It's a nerve. It's a disc. Like, but never really having any answers and what I could do. It was just go about your life. It'll eventually get better, which it didn't. And it didn't make sense to me that something can happen and we just let it be and hope that it gets better. I never wanted to have like a prey method about it because I know that we can take action. Ended up seeing a few chiropractors and really no result. I was about 16 at the time now. I was getting a little like disheartened. I thought I was going to play college football and I was really excited about playing sports. And at this point, like my life is changing. Like I'm not able to sit in class. I'm not able to do things I want to do. And at the recommendation of a family friend, they were like, no, no, go see this guy. He'll help you. He'll fix whatever's going on. And I was like, yeah, whatever. I've heard that before. Just brushed it off. And they're like, no, 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 seriously, go. And I don't know what made me say yes, or maybe it was the obstinance of this person, which I can thank them now. End up showing to an o- up to an office. It was a chiropractor's office. Going through the full exam, which we can talk about at length, like what that actually is. I didn't understand it at the time. I was mm-hmm. like, okay, stand here, wear a gown, take an x-ray. He drew some lines, said some words, said, this is your problem. This is what we're going to do to fix it. And I said, okay, I've heard that couple times now show me he adjusted me and this thing just absolutely explodes like it was my l5 absolutely goes off like a gunshot and he laughed and i was like holy moly (laughs) and i remember going from laying on the on the bench having nerve pain down both my feet groin pain knee pain i was even getting like some bladder issues at the time and i remember sitting up from that and being at least 50 percent better and and i looked up at him and and i was like i don't know what you do but i think i need to learn how to do this and (laughs) And he laughed at me and he was, he was like, okay, we're going to get this better. Ended up seeing him a few more times, cleared it up. I was strong. I was 16 years old at the time. There's no reason why I shouldn't be able to heal. The body's meant to be healthy. So when there is dysfunction, if you find that dysfunction and correct it, it heals very quickly. And that's the beauty of our body. The amazing thing that is our body. It's just, you got to find the right thing. Ended up seeing him a couple more times. And just to clarify like, really quickly to go back for everyone saying that your L5 went off like a gunshot. It didn't actually explode. That was just any <laughs> adjustment. It made a really yeah. loud pop, yeah. right? And your yeah. L5 is is lower. It's in the lower yeah. lumbar region. And yeah. you're just fine you're, for everybody listening yeah. to that. Your L5 are We don't want to scare everybody. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> your spine be... exploded and then you felt great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> didn't go off, didn't actually fall out or anything like that. And your L5 is your fifth lumbar vertebrae. It's your lowest, typically your lowest movable vertebrae. Sits on top of your tailbone or your sacrum. It is the most commonly injured disc in the spine. Didn't know that at the time. About 90% of your upper body weight goes through that disc when you're in the seated position. Didn't know that at the time. So I had an injury from a lifting injury or a hit. 
And every time I sat down, that thing got worse and worse. The reason it was so loud is because it built so much swelling and so much pressure that when you actually push that thing the right direction, you hear an air pocket release or fluid exchange actually happen. And that is actually what facilitates the beginning of healing. That is actually what starts to get the swelling out, helps the spine to get the nutrition it needs inside the joint and get the inflammation out. Because the, the spine is weird in the sense that it does not get direct blood supply like your organs and your brain do. It actually gets nutrition from motion, from a mechanism called imbibition. Just think of your spine as a singular organ. And when you walk or move or bend or lift or do anything of the sort, it creates an accordion. So it's like an accordion pump. It pushes nutrition in and it pulls inflammation out. And when you have a spinal injury, it actually prevents that action from happening. So now you get swelling accumulation, which causes irritation. And what's really weird is when you have swelling for a sustained amount of time, it turns the local environment acidic. And when you have a local acidic environment, I'm sure everyone has heard you want to be alkaline, not acidic. And we can have that conversation too. That's that's <laughs> an interesting one. But when you have a locally acidic environment, it's similar to something like an infection and your body will treat, whether it's a spinal injury, a shoulder injury, knee, ankle, jaw, whatever it is, if it's swollen for a long time, it becomes acidic and your immune system reads it as an infection and it will start to attack it. So you not only have a physical injury, like the actual misalignment, the ligaments being swollen and sprained, you have the mechanism of your immune system actually going after it as well. You come at it from twofold and then you can start talking about nerves and how those interact. And that's why low back pain can be very elusive in the way that it portrays pain and how it can be very fluid, how it comes in and comes out, how people say like, I picked up a towel and I blew my back out or I sneeze and I hurt my neck. It's, there was already a problem there. Your body took the swelling away and then you re-aggravated it and started this cascade again, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes so much sense. And I think that, you know, with any inflammation, we think about other areas of the body, what comes to mind for me is when you have an inflammation in your mouth, you have to wait and heal the inflammation before the body can really begin to heal, begin to do work. So it sounds like it's the same thing within our spine. The inflammation has to lower to get to a point you can have mobility and movement and then that's how the nutrients come in. That is so fascinating yeah. and that, that we do identify as pain and we say the word pain but it, it could be so many other things that we're feeling and experiencing while we're on the topic of that because one of my questions for you is how we can recognize what reads as misalignment in the body a lot of times we think oh i only see a chiropractor if like the experience that you went into you know you have a sports injury or you have an injury or something really specific that's allowed in the body. But what are some of those other maybe more subtle signs that people could keep an eye out for? You can take this through a lot of layers and we can take it through the physical body. We can take it through the actual biochemical. So your organs, you can take it through like the energetic body and then also yeah, the take emotional it body. All of it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about and, all of that because it all, you know, you and I talk about that and know about that. But mm -hmm. I think most people when they hear a chiropractic is only thinking thinking of spine structure. Mm -hmm. It actually impacts all of these areas that you just mentioned and then some. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I guess to, to go back before we go forward is the interesting thing about chiropractic is it wasn't donned in the place of relieving pain. It was never about pain in the beginning. It was actually about treating the whole body. 
And there's a lot of documentation from like the early 1910s, 1920s, from the early innovators of chiropractic that they were doing things like shrieking tumors and doing mm-hmm. things like healing the thyroid. And they would quantify it with blood levels. And they have specific books where the, there's a book literally called Nerve Tracing, where they will show you a tumor, like a visible tumor on the body, circle it, trace it to a nerve, start correcting that area of the spine. You watch the tumor shrink. What changed in chiropractic is over the last 60, 70 years, as we got more acceptance within licensure, which was really big, which actually a majority of our licensure came during the flu pandemics, the 1918 flu pandemic. Wow. And I believe that was the year. I don't want to be quoted wrong, but it's in general, general time frame, general area during that time. And what was interesting is we didn't have licensure at the time. They were throwing chiropractors in jail for practicing medicine without a license. What happens when you throw chiropractors in jail? They actually start adjusting all the prisoners and then they got to let the chiropractors (laughs) out anyway, because now they're working just within there and helping people feel better. Because these are the people that believed so much in what they did that they believed that it brought life forth and actually helped people be better people. So they fought for that. They ended up helping a few Congress people helping with the flu pandemic and saved some of their lives. So we started getting licensure. Now, fast forward, we have insurance inclusion and all these things that are actually very good. We've had it for a very long time, but that did change the fundamental paradigm of chiropractic where now it became very pain-based, became low back pain, it became neck pain, it became sciatica, you name it. So Mm -hmm. slowly it's degraded the profession over time where now they're stuck in only looking at physical ailments, especially if they're an insurance-based office, not to malign any insurance Mm -hmm. is great, especially for people that have it and they want to use it. But I think that had a lot to do with the mental shift within chiropractors. So it's not really the public's fault. It's more chiropractors fault. So naturally, if you're training a profession to be included in a specific paradigm right now, Western medicine, you want to fit them into a peg. Mm -hmm. But But when you break down chiropractic in and of itself, the fundamentals are it's very specific. It's scientific. It is repeatable and you are able to affect all parts of the nervous system. When you're affecting the nervous system, you are affecting blood supply, you're affecting organ function, you are affecting their brain. And then you can start getting into the consciousness realm. If your consciousness Mm -hmm. is pure and perfect and your soul is pure and perfect, there's nothing that it can do wrong. What is happening that when your vehicle, your physical body does not relay that perfect message, it should perfectly know how to run your pancreas, perfectly Mm -hmm. know how to synchronize your heart. It should perfectly be able to synchronize synchronized blood supply in the morning versus at night, all those things. What happens is the communication from receiving that message and then relaying it through the vehicle. And so that is how you can trace it back and actually make it not only a biochemical profession, a neurological profession, but also an energetic profession. And that is the most ground level way I can say, I'm not sure about the audience, but without going too You can go fuck in this idea <laughs> um, you can go so, as woo as you want i embrace the woo there's no level of woo that's yeah. too woo for me and so we're just gonna roll with that i think everyone listening is in that same vein too just to kind of circle back and speak to that for a second for everyone listening did you did you guys understand what dr lars is saying that you know something that i say often too is we are in perfect alignment already and so it's not a matter of working through i have to achieve perfection i have to achieve alignment it's letting go of disalignment 
and finding the sources of disalignment. And that's what you're talking about in the physical vehicle, as well as how that impacts every other level of your being. I can attest to this, you guys, because I get the shittiest attitude when my atlas is out. And basically, if you don't know the atlas, we're just going to call it the head. And so I need a mental adjustment. It's an attitude <laughs> and adjustment. I have to go. Basically, so I went in today actually to get an adjustment. I wasn't in pain or anything like that. Really, I mean, actually, I couldn't breathe very well. I guess because my ribs were out. But before that happened, it was really that I noticed whenever anybody said something to me, I might not even realize it and say kind of like a shitty response in my head. And it would be completely unwarranted. It's not how I felt about what they were saying. It's not what I really believed or thought. So I have the awareness to recognize that subtlety in my life and know, oh, my atlas is out. That's a sign for me that my atlas or some part of my neck or my body is out because it's impacting how I can move freely and with ease in my day and in my highest best self. So we can talk about chakras, things like that. Like it affects your your energetic flow in every single area of your life. You have the ability to look at, and you can speak to this much more than I can, but you're basically saying for everyone out there looking for answers of their health and wellness. Maybe they've had a family history of something with the heart or blood, things like that. Chiropractic, especially this particular method, Gunstead method that you specialize in, is based in practice of trying to find those answers and sourcing it back to really looking at you as the individual. There's so much more individualistic work that we, we like to try to categorize that, oh, it's just in my family lineage, kind of blame that, I think, in a lot of our medical culture. But from everything I've ever learned, there's so much more that we can do on our own and we do have it within our power to make changes. Absolutely. And we've passed the age now, which I don't know if it's completely public knowledge yet. I know a lot of us are in an echo chamber in this realm, but genetics do not dictate your life. They're blueprints. And when we mastered the genome or thought we mastered the genome, it didn't make a lot of sense because of the proteins that was involved with the analysis. Just know that genetics load the gun in our environment, how we respond to the environment, how we treat our vehicle, how we think our daily rituals, those are what pull the trigger. So a lot of people think that, oh, it's in my, it's in my family. I'm going to get, you name it, heart issues, scoliosis, bunions, Mm -hmm. migraines, whatever (laughs) it may be. It's, it's kind of silly, like all the things that I hear. And it's not silly that to say that the patient is the last thing I'm saying is the patient is ignorant. It's, it's silly in the essence that this is stuff that was told to them by medical professionals. And, and again, we've all been collectively misled. I didn't start out here. Like when I first like when started you your injury and you yeah. were just told there's nothing you can do about it at 16. Yeah. yeah. We hundred percent have choices. And also knowing that taking care of your physical body has precedence in care of your, your mental health, your biochemical health, your spiritual health, your emotional health, all those play a role. Not a lot of doctors look holistically, even the ones that say holistic. And, and I didn't start out here. When I first started in chiropractic, I was still very much in the physical where it's an injury, you fix it, they get better. What's complicated about that? But there's everything complicated about that. And there's also everything simple about that because we are so amazing that we can do the simplest things that actually cause healing. Also, it is complex enough, not complicated enough, complex enough that it takes intention. It takes mm. the, the right guide 
or the right doctor or the right coach or whoever you're seeing to actually acknowledge the holism idea that is health. To use Paul Check as a good reference, he, he references the four doctors, Dr. Happy, Dr. Quiet, Dr. Movement. I'm forgetting the, the fourth one right now, but it's acknowledging that you have all these doctors in you. It's just which one is speaking to you, which one is asking for attention and then leaning into that, like, where do I really need to get help? And who is someone that is going to look at this with a holism idea of, yes, I have my lifestyle and I can't break that, whether it's because I'm raising kids or I'm on a tight schedule or I don't have the resources immediate around me. So I'm in the information age. So I'm collecting information and doing what I can and piecing it together. Everyone's on their own journey, mm-hmm. um, but having the right guide in that aspect and also having the mindset of I can heal. It's just a matter of intention and getting the information. And we have everything at our fingertips. Now I keep saying likely because I heard it somewhere, we're past the information age now. We are in the oration phase. How well can someone speak on something and act on that in a way that helps you heal or helps you learn or helps you transform. It's overwhelming to collect all this information because for every article that you find saying one thing, you can find three saying the opposite. How do you find the sources that are well-spoken enough that it resonates with you? Because you can start to listen to that intuitive part of yourself and say like, no, 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 this is what feels right for me when everything else maybe kind of made sense, but this is my innate knowing that this is how I remember how I'm supposed to be. That's Um, the key, right? It's individual for each of us. We have to tap into what's right for us because what's right for me may not be right for you, mm -hmm. right for somebody else or in each moment of our lives as you're talking about. So just because something may not be right for you or anyone listening, you know, at this moment, just be open-minded to where you're growing because even like what you're saying, you didn't start on this journey, but it was what was calling you. It's what evolved because it's what aligned most to your inner soul, your inner calling, and the truth of what you know works for you. So tell us, what was that transition between more of a traditional medicine mindset and into the Dr. Lars we know and love now? Yeah. Wealth of knowledge on every topic you could imagine. <laughs> I identify as a, a seeker. I'm always really interested in learning and wanting to like selfishly better myself. You're a like, three five projector too. We we this. Yeah. <laughs> Back to human design. I swear every podcast episode I talk on now, like we're all, we're all talking about human design, but yeah. Human design, Enneagram, it's so powerful. And honestly, starting there, I was getting to know, there's an interesting thing that happens when you get into entrepreneurship or small business owner is the more you work on yourself and you pour into yourself, that's actually how you grow your business. It's not really, yes, you can market your way and hard charge your way into making a lot of money, but it is, it's shallow, it's hollow, and it leads down a road where you're just chasing goals and never really feeling good. And when you start to pour into yourself naturally, organically, your business starts to grow because you attract a lot of people. So I started just investing in myself, doing small courses, doing workshops. And then a couple of years ago, had some like emotional trauma 
stir into my life. I've never really had hardships like that before. And then it really made me turn inward. It's like, how do I listen to my heart? Am I even connected to my heart? And I wasn't. How do I access that part of me that I know will make me better? It turned into this journey of starting to realize that a lot of people are in deep emotional pain or had Mm -hmm. trauma. And that does block healing because it was blocking my own healing. The more I started to dive into that, the more it made my practice elevate. And I I became a better listener. I became more empathetic. And when I started feeling that light inside of me grow, I became addicted to it because I realized how big of the impact could be for other people that I could just say one word or say something that they've been feeling or thinking about. And for people to know that they're not alone because everyone is collectively going through their own journey. And a lot of people are going through a lot of painful things. So between working out my emotional stuff and getting to know myself a little bit better as as far as coping with trauma and coping with massive change, Mm -hmm. which is a a whole nother thing that we can talk about. But massive change fundamentally changes us because we are more pattern recognition machines and actually conscious doers. We do better with systems and routines and things that give us order and give us stability. So things that may be as trivial as, oh, I didn't wake up on time. Now I didn't have to get to have my coffee and my sit down time. It can throw off your whole day. Like as (laughs) As simple as that is. But now think of you are selling your business or selling your home and moving cross country. Look how destabilizing that can be. Or you have the collective trauma that was what the Cerveza sickness. I don't know if we want to say the word COVID on here. The years 2020 to 2022. The years years 2020 to 2022 was a collective traumatic event. It was a traumatic event. Yeah, definitely. Whatever the narrative is that you want to believe about it, whether it was what they say it was, or it wasn't either way, the trauma was felt as far as the social isolation, the way people's careers were uprooted, the way families and friendships were fractured. It was a collective trauma that everyone kind of went through. And Fear that further destabilization of everything that we knew like as before. Yeah. And yeah. I had already felt something akin to this just from like my massive change over like 2018 to 2019. And so I was like, okay, I'm ready for change. I've already been doing that. Let's let's roll with it. What was interesting is my life really didn't change all that much until I moved across country. But I have the glorious ability to keep my business open. I was deemed essential when I lived in Los Angeles. And not a lot of people had that privilege and not a lot of people saw people. So I still saw 40 to 60 people a day and was having social interactions. I was hearing all these people going through this angst and this depression and this fear, all these things. These were all things that I had uprooted in my life from a couple of years back. And not to say that I wasn't feeling it then, but it was, it was an emotion I was familiar with and enough that I can identify with people and say like, that must be really hard. Mm -hmm. That, that is a hard thing to carry. I'm going to go back to, to what you're saying with this destabilization of what trauma does. It's a lot of people, you know, we hear the word trauma and we hear all of this about trauma, emotional breakdown or this and that. From my perspective, these are some of the greatest blessings in our lives that we can have because just as you've experienced, as painful as it is when you're going through things, if you can slightly shift that perspective to maybe not in the moment, but give the opportunity to look at something with a different lens as you're kind of moving through and on the other side, just like with you, it activates your calling 
in your purpose, it helps connect you in ways that you were blocked and shut down before. And when you're out of that connection to yourself, you can't empathize with others. You can't feel others. You can't show up in presence. And you're one of the most in-presence people I've met and known. So I can't imagine the before of that because you have such a gentleness. And just for everybody listening, you know, if you can't see Dr. Liza, he's really taught. Like when you say you played football, that makes sense because I was going to say like, you look like a football player, but you have such a gentle spirit and calm presence while also being able to really go in and deeply hold space for work and do the physical work with people. So that's been such a beautiful experience for me who you know, I've been going to chiropractic my whole life since I was actually born. And I've gone to some great people and I've gone to people that I thought were going to rip my head or limbs off. And I've had to say, look, you're trying to adjust a 300 pound football player and I'm a tiny person, you know, yeah. like, like <laughs> you're going to have to stop touching me now, you know, and like slow, slowly yep. leave the room. So just to kind of speak to that, side note that I think it's so important to talk about our experiences on the emotional and on the traumatic because they actually are our gifts, but it's, mm -hmm. We're not used to feeling and seeing it that way. As crazy as 2020 was, there was such a gift in that for people, whether they can understand it or see it right now. That's the thing. I, I've seen a lot of people's life completely shift for the amazing through this all. They started to prioritize family, friendships, how they want to live their life. I think it really focused everybody and made people get quiet. I guess just going back to like the initial question of how does that look in the body? With this shift, I try to understand people's mind concurrent as I understand their spine and what it's been through. Because I believe now more than ever that there's like a collective emotional trauma that is our baseline of health. How well we cope with our emotional state is our baseline to what our spine will reflect. And then we kind of stack on top of it. And my physical activity, my physical trauma, biochemical things, whether it's pharmaceuticals, food sensitivities, vaccinations, whatever it is. So we stack all these things on top, but knowing that the, the fundamental layer is how we think, how we feel, how we talk to ourselves, how we talk to the people around us. That is become more apparent now than ever before. And so as I'm understanding people, I'm not trying to be their therapist. I'm not here to unpack their, their trauma. I'm not here to try to solve all their problems, but I am here to hold space. And for me to understand where people are at, like you said, is like, I have to be a hundred percent present. I have to be with them because this might be the only hour or the only 15 minutes that they do for themselves at all. I come into every patient visit, like I'm here, nothing else is here. Everything else is outside of here and they're here to feel better. I'm here to hold space and be the guide that they need me to be right now. You can look at the whole, the proverbial, don't treat people how you want to be treated, treat people the way they want to be treated. That works to a point, but not a lot of people know how they want to be treated because they're used to being abused. They're used to not talking to themselves kindly yeah. or they don't have people that support them, but understanding where they're at and helping them rewire their brain in a way that, no, 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 you're meant to be healthy. You're meant to have fun in your life. You're meant to enjoy enjoy every part of it, even the hard parts, because mm -hmm. the hard parts make us so much stronger. And those traumas live in the spine, whether it is deep-seated fundamental family stuff, whether it is trusting your heart, trusting your intuition, not trusting your voice, all those I've seen almost 100% of the time correlate to parts of the spine and what organs they're affecting. So as you get into like the chakra systems or the energy systems, it's like those tell part of the story. As much as I want to oversimplify things and just say, 
say, oh, you hurt your low back from a slip and fall, or you hurt your low back from a car accident. It's not likely that that's the only contributing factor. And if you don't at least address like, hey, what are you eating? Or how's your morning routine? Do you start off with any form of gratitude or do you any of the nighttime gratitude or meditation or prayer? Like where are you at in your actual daily self-care? Because we do need it, whether it's we need small things daily, we need slightly bigger things weekly, slightly bigger things quarterly, and probably one giant thing every year to keep us on this, this pace of I'm having fun with life. I'm being playful with life. I'm trying new things. I'm being creative. I love myself. I love the people around me. I've built these strong relationships and going back to like your spine projects that whole reflection and how someone is actually living. Are they more anxious? Are they sleeping? Are they dealing with emotional family tragedy? Are they Mm -hmm. spinning a lot of plates? Those are all playing into the reflection that I see. So when I look at an x-ray and I look at a person, I try not to go completely physical. I try to understand like, how is this person showing up? How are they talking about themselves? How are they talking about what they want the future to look like? Are they even making health goals or life goals? And again, I'm not here to unpack people's lives, but it helps me be a better doctor and helps me be a better guide on their health journey that I can show up and hold the space that they actually are ready to receive. Yeah, that's incredible too for people to understand because you're not necessarily the norm in chiropractic. You have a unique experience, background, you know, all of these expertise that you have learned and devoted a lot of your time and energy towards. And that's why it's so incredible to get to talk to you. As we've talked about, I had the privilege of working with some individuals with Life University and kind of early on, I'd say in the early 2000s, I had a chiropractor who did similar things more in the kinesiology sector, but had a similar mindset as you. And so I I stopped going to regular doctors and not to discredit anyone in the medical field. But I had a little bit of a nutshell of my story was I had a lot of health issues early on. I had a lot of mold and environmental issues. I had a lot of emotional trauma, physical trauma, early childhood traumas to work through that really weren't recognized. And so there was a lot I was carrying around as this very intuitive, very empathic you know, vision oriented person. And so superpowers. Yeah. Oh my oh my favorite superpowers. <laughs> Which we all have. You we're gonna get to that. I've got questions for you on yours too. But so just to kind of nutshell that I had been misdiagnosed and misdiagnosed by so many different doctors and health professionals that finally I had to take the journey inward to say, okay, what does my body need? And I need to become my own advocate here because I'm getting so much wrong information that's actually causing me to get more and more sick and dysfunctional. It was when I started that journey, I really turned deeply to some pretty valuable chiropractic care, but people that also had similar background in functional medicine and whole body wellness, that really became my lifeline. And I learned early on, you know, in my 20s that, well, like even like the common cold and a lot of the things that we do, it really stems from the misalignment of different areas of our body and our life. And we have total control of that. We are able to make these adjustments and they may not be as difficult as they sound. You know, it can start with, again, like you're saying, gratitude practice, breath work in the morning, daily breath work, movement practice, drinking water, and then growing your care and love of self into a more whole lifestyle practice. Going back to that, how valuable it is to get to speak with you and now and work with you as a client. It's so great someone that really gets this big picture of whole body health because 
again, I'm at a place where I'm restructuring a lot of my body. Talking about our spine stories, I had so much compression in my spine that even in my late 30s, I grew two inches. As you know, we've talked about my foot grew two inches longer and not like just, oh, you're aging and your foot expanded. No, it actually grew two sizes for everybody <laughs> listening. I grew two inches taller and my whole body structure is lengthening out of itself and kind of clearing a lot of what I like to call heavy blocks and shadows. Like it's just been sitting there for a long time because that's the way I learned how to function and cope with all that I could feel and know and understand or me associating other people's energy and other people's lives because I am so empathic and I know many of you listening are as my own body. So I've held onto that, but it's not mine. So I've had to lock my body down to be able to hold on to it. And now it's about surrendering and about learning and recognizing the health story that I do get to carry, one of lightness, one of joy. I can let go a lot of that weight. And so getting to work with you, there's so much unwinding of that. Tell everybody listening what my experience is of coming in is where your practice is a little bit different is sometimes you go into chiropractic and you might get adjusted everywhere on the body. You really hone in on where the structural base need is. For me, my pelvic was out of place. And so with that, it was tilted and, and rotating everything else in my body. Even though I felt an alignment when I would get adjusted, it just wouldn't stay in that place because at the root base level, it wasn't aligned the way it needed to be. And so we are restructuring that. And that is a process of layering the adjustments of going in and I'm doing my homework of surrender work and emotional clearing techniques that I do and trauma reprogramming work that I do. You sent me a link to Axial Extension (laughs) (laughs) to really take consideration awareness of lengthening my spine throughout my day and letting my body reset in every possible way. Mm -hmm. So there's so much more involved to it. And it really is a co-partnership. I'm putting my trust in you and you're putting trust in me that I'm going to show up and do my part of the work too. Maybe not everybody comes through your door with that mindset, but for everyone listening, I think it's a helpful one to always show up as a co-partner in your health. Absolutely. That's what I build my practice off of. It's the acknowledgement that I can't do everything for you. My best tool is teaching you exactly what your body's doing, why it's doing it, what it's going to look like if we don't do anything about it and how best we can fix it. And it really is a partnership. It's I'm here for you. I'm going to show up 1000%. And mm. yes, like I have my my five-step process, like you said, like the Gonset method is... Can you tell us how it's different than maybe something yeah. else people might have been more familiar with? Yeah. With, with the Gonset system, there's a five-step analysis. So the first thing we do is visualize. So women wear gowns for the first visit. Men take off their shirts because we want to see the health of the skin, the health of the muscles. Is there swelling? Is there blemishes on the skin? Is there blatant muscle? spasm, like what is the body actually telling you? The second step is I use a device, it's called a nervoscope or a scope for short, that detects nerve conduction and swelling. So now we can actually see where there might be any form of spine irritation, where there's nerve irritation. So where there's swelling, expect nerve irritation. So we look for specific areas and it can be different every single visit, depending on what a person is doing. Sometimes people have the same things over and over again, which could be blocks. It could be chronic issues. It could be posture. It could be, you name it. Mine's related to eating gluten or not. And I get get buzzed out for that. Stop eating gluten. (laughs) Yep. Yep. So gluten can be a big one. Uh, any biochemical irritation. So we visualize, we scope, and then the next thing is static palpation. So I'm actually feeling how that vertebrae is talking to the other vertebrae. Is it very, very swollen? Is it tender? Does it hurt?
hurt when I touch it? Does it burn? Does it make a nerve actually irritate? Does it bring on a headache? Does it bring on acid reflux? You name it. Like what, what does it do? We want to kind of provoke it. I don't want to piss it off, but I want to actually make it apparent that I know where I'm looking. And then next thing. So now we have visualization, scoping, static palpation. Next thing is motion palpation. How does it move? How does it function? How does it function individually? How does it function as an entire unit? What's the body actually doing? How does it compensate? And then the last piece is we use spinal images. So we use the spinal images to overlay on top of the patient. So that'll will be our last piece because I don't want to look at that first because it's very easy to look at an image and take the art out of everything and just say, this is your problem, go fix it. Where really I'm looking at you because you're the most important. And then that spinal image is just a picture of you that I get to overlay on top this is your structure. This is your function. How do we marry these two together? And then now let's get to work and actually start correcting things. So with all those tools, now we actually start to, whether we adjust one thing, whether we adjust three things, I usually don't adjust more than three bones in a visit. It's very, very specific. The adjustment is very different. I do not add rotation to any adjustment. So the main thing is actually pushing that bone the right way at the right time with the correct table technique all those things. And that way we don't irritate everybody that is happy. And we just help the one that is unhappy. It I looks like a in. table party in your office uh, too. So yep. There's all kinds of styles of tables. In there. Yep. And so we have a few different types of tables. You can Google Gonstead set and you would see them pop right up on, on Google images. And we use specifically four different tables, a seated one, a kneeling one, a mechanical one, just for people that are in too much pain, they can't lay down. And then we have a bench that we use for a plethora of things. We have the tools for basically anybody that comes in our office, whether they're six hours old or a hundred years old, 38 weeks pregnant, they're an Olympic athlete, like you name it, we're ready for it because we have this foundational element of, I know how to look at you in systems, break it down, put you back together and actually correct the problem. So this isn't a motion, lotion, potion, hope that you get better type of idea. It's I'm going to be on the hunt and trying to correct this thing. You're doing the homework and it is a co-partnership. It's, it's, I'm just the guide. I'm here to give you the tools and the knowledge so you can access full health, freedom, all these things that you want. Cause it's usually not pain that's bringing you to an office or any form of shallow emotion. It's more of the things you cannot do. What mm. is it preventing you from doing? Is it, I am trying to feel more aligned in myself and better with my relationships? Is it, I'm trying to compete in an Olympic level or a professional level? Am I trying to have a baby unassisted with no breach position? All these things play into a factor. Like where is that person at? Where do they want to be? And that is actually the driver. We try to hone in on that. How can I help you get where you are now to where you want to be? Pain will go away. Mm -hmm. We can very easily correct that, but how do we correct it in a way that's sustainable? It holds, it changes your life for the better. So you can go and do all the things that actually better the world too. Amazing. Amazing. It's so cool. I'm going to make sure that everyone has all the links to connect to you. But I kind of want to deviate for a second. So I know that you and I have talked about flow state often, and I talk a lot about quantum leaps and flow state in my personal life. I've touched in a tiny little bit here on the podcast, but yeah. 
everybody that I talk to, especially now that that term is getting to be a, a bit trendier, there's mm -hmm. a different conversation around it. And I know you've done a deep dive into that. You've lived that and you have your superpowers as well. I love the fact that I'm going to deviate my side deviation and just say that you were talking about you don't have any sense of smell, but you have a very strong intuitive smell because I guess from all your years as an athlete, you lost your sense of smell from getting mm -hmm. hit in the face so much, you said, yeah. <laughs> but then yeah. you developed. <laughs> so that's all you need, people. You just need to lose your sense of smell just and then you just can... lose your actual sense of smell. <laughs> and then you can develop your intuitive smell. And that's got to be so incredible, especially in your line of work that you can smell injury and you can smell, you know, different things and elements in the body that are out. It's, it's an interesting thing. And I thought it was a little odd at first, just because I started noticing it before I, I had this revelation deep dive into quantum and energy entanglement and all these things. Yeah. Um, I did MMA for a little while. I played football for a long time and I had a lot of facial trauma and mm -hmm. my nose doesn't work very well. So whether it's you're cooking the best meal in the world or someone stinks and has BO, I'm not likely going to pick up on it unless it's very strong and like right there. Oh, notice certain sensations and certain smells when I would have a patient in front of me that had all the signs of cancer. And then I could smell it like a staleness. And I noticed when certain women would have menstrual issues, I could tell nine times out of 10 if they had an IUD implant in. Mm. And it's not a, a gross thing where I'm smelling metal or anything like that. It's literally just a sensation that I have that you can smell the like the frequency coming off of someone does not fit. Yeah. And so those things and also when people are like overtly sick, if they have like a lot of autoimmune issues, they kick off a certain smell. But the main ones have been for me that I've noticed are IUDs, so metal implants recently after a vaccination, I could smell mm -hmm. and cancer. So mm -hmm. those are the ones that I pick up on. And it's very interesting because at first I didn't know what it was and it was a little odd to me, but then I started to really understand smell is a waveform. It's particle in a yeah. wave and it, it changes the way we interact with that person, that environment. So when it's fundamentally changing my aura and my field, I'm picking up on something. And luckily it's been backed up basically every single time with blood tests or imaging or anything like that. That's kind of how I came full circle around it. It's like, okay, now I have the physical representation. I can push the, I believe button that this might be my superpower so it's it <laughs> it's was definitely uh, a superpower yeah no, we're gonna it, yeah i think people don't understand that you know when we talk about intuitive gifts or because every person has their gift their own superpower you know it's not you know that i just i have it or you have it i mean we're all gifted with this deep awareness of the universe around us but it we're very conditioned to disconnect or disassociate from that because it's not culturally what's talked about or even known or understood so as a collective you think it's only for special people or certain people but that's not true there are ways to tap into it because just like with dr lars like there is energy information there's information and data in every particle of energy and the way that your body can read that energy is going to be unique to you and you just have to tap into what that looks like and for you what a great gift i mean you had to lose your sense of smell to tap into it yep. <laughs> to become aware and and that's so interesting because i have i'm an eight clear so scent 
is one of mine, but I smell differently. It's vibration levels. I smell people's low vibrations or if they have undealt with trauma or emotional trauma or family lineage stuff, or if there's just a really low vibration energy somewhere in the vicinity, it has a certain smell. Or if people have passed on, <laughs> if people have passed on and they're lingering around and they want something to say, like sometimes they'll have a distinct smell. And it's not like a bad smell. You know, I had a great grandmother great 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 grandmother whatever that came to visit yeah. and she sprayed like a windex smell in my face and like i can see you you don't have to spray yeah your, this like this information for me to associate yeah. you you know mm -hmm. it's like i can look at you with my eyes yep. so don't like right spray here. windex in my face yep. basically <laughs> on an energetic level but it's really funny you know when we tap into our potential kind of circling back to that with the conversation on flow state and all of this because I know you're passionate about it. What does that look and feel like to you? You mentioned you tapped into that early on as a child, but what does that look like for you? So anybody can take the the test. I'd have to look at the website. I think it's like Flow Fundamentals. It's Jamie Wheel's website and he runs this program it's also it's online it's also in person but he has a really really unique test where you answer a series of questions and you get to see what kind of personality you have related to flow state and if people don't Ooh. know what flow state is you're actually changing your brain waves and into a very succinct coordinated effort where people find this hyper productivity hyper creativity i guess a great way to say it is if you've ever been snowboarding down a mountain and nothing else exists other than you and your board and seeing the the sights around you it's a completely embodied experience where nothing else mm -hmm. matters it's a very meditative experience Something so whether that, that with writing or music mm -hmm. or writing, music, athletics. It just really depends on where people feel the best and most embodied. The interesting thing about flow is the more you chase it, the more you don't find it. There's a Taoist monk story where there was a monk, he was studying under this monk for 30 or 50 years, some extraordinary amount of time. And basically enlightenment is a state of flow. It's just, it's a different name. So achieving enlightenment is the same as getting some form of flow state. And it's completely accessible for everybody, not just Taoist monks. He asked him one day, why are you making me do all these things like sweep the floor for six hours and write for four hours and, and practice moving my body and all these things? What is it actually doing? And the Taoist monk told him like, I'm teaching you how to achieve enlightenment. He said, how is that actually happening? He goes, well, it mainly happens by accident. <laughs> and so he's like, I've been doing all these things for an accident. He goes, yes. But if you do all these things correctly, you're way more likely to have this accident. So That's it's great. having the that acknowledgement of knowing that flow state is an embodied state. You got to pour into your own vehicle. You have to sleep well, you have to eat well, you have to move mm -hmm. your body, you have to set intentions, have gratitude, all these things actually create the setting for getting that fully embodied experience. And that actually goes back to what I talked about having the, the scheduling for doing things that make you happy. It's actually called hedonic scheduling. So you schedule something really, really easy to do that makes you happy once a day, something a little bit bigger once a week quite a bit bigger once a quarter, something huge once a year. So it's called hedonic scheduling. So you're constantly tapping into that fun play aspect of yourself, enlightening your spirit, 
helping your your whole energy body lift up and feel more alive. And each one being a little bit riskier than the one before. Like you're not going to be snowboarding every day because that could potentially run into injury. But yeah, once a quarter, go snowboard, go do something you really like. Mm-hmm. And so you up level the risk and also up level the involvement every single thing you do. So you're you're doing all these things, you're setting intention, you're drinking your water, you're flossing your teeth, all these really little things <laughs> that actually set out there are like, yes. Yeah, really had to drop that out, one in there. Shout out to the dentist. And and then it opens you up for the opportunity to access theta waves. So mm-hmm. theta waves are the brain state that is flow. People get it through meditation. People get it through plant medicine, like mushrooms, DMT, those types of things. But it's completely something that you can bring on for yourself. I've found by accident, again, that when I'm in the office, I'm in a flow state the whole time. I just mm-hmm. thought I was in like a meditative state. I just felt like I was completely embodied. I was completely myself. I didn't have to show up as anything other than myself. And I'm here to serve other people. And that's part of the flow state as well. And I get to be creative. I get to be creative with how I interact and how I do things and how I help people feel better. But flow state can look like anything to anybody. It can be free writing. It can be writing music. It can be like having one-on-one conversations. That's a form of flow state. But knowing that you can access that and how it looks is it's fun. It's very, very creative which is our our fundamental closest to nature self we're meant to actually create anybody that says they're not creative is telling themselves a lie it's a story that they've been repeating either from other people or from themselves from an event but it's fun it's creative and you are achieving this level of productivity that is not accessible to any other form of brain states so you can demystify it or you can mystify it any which way whether it's (laughs) enlightenment and and speaking to god or it's completely demystified and I find flow state and I can write a whole book in a day. That is Mm -hmm. flow state can be those extremes. It can be both. It just really depends on how it shows up for you. But really how you access flow is by the little things, taking care of your body, drinking your water, moving your body, doing these very, very regimented things, not to regiment your whole life, but know that we find freedom in structure going back to or pattern recognition machines. We do really well with a certain amount of order and a certain amount of freedom and a certain amount of adventure. We're built for those things, but as long as we can come back and we we have our foundation and that's also why family and friends whatever however we have those deeper relationships those are actually what ground us and make us feel very secure to do the adventurous things to go out and be creative and have fun and to know that it's safe and it's something contributing to the well-being I just love that your flow state is in the office because so many times people think of flow state in like just a creative, like I'm going to paint or write or draw or something like that. But you're right, it is in athletics and it can be in work too. Bringing back to the story of the Taoist monk that was teaching flow state from sweeping. Mm -hmm. And it isn't that thing. I have certain things that I do, like drying my hair. I love drying my hair. It's like this total zen state and I get the best ideas and all of my world answers are solved while I dry my hair. <laughs> yep, exactly. And, so and you it can, can find it in so many ways. Yeah. It can happen taking a shower, taking a yeah. bath. It can be this very mystical thing if that is what speaks to you. Mm-hmm. And also demystifying it, like we can find flow state in these states of consciousness at any time through the day. It's just knowing that we have to have the foundations of our body in line so it actually can receive that. If you are sick or dehydrated or chronically fatigued or dealing with health issues not that you can't
can't access flow state. It's just that much harder. And right. so we want to build the vehicle ready to receive the perfect message that is consciousness. So it's like you were talking about earlier too, that when, you know, even like with say inflammation or with unresolved traumas and things like that, it desensitizes and keeps you disconnected from yourself. So when you're disconnected from yourself, you're disconnected from your true essence, your consciousness. And so that's also disconnecting you from empathy, intuition, and clear vision, not just health, but all of these other aspects too. I love that you bring that note in. We always have so much fun talking about all of these different directions. In the office, 15 minutes is not enough time. <laughs> no, I get to see you other places too. But that's such great points to bring in because it's true. So many people do think of this in a different way. And that's why I love that conversation. Like for me, early on in childhood, I would get into flow state even at like four and five playing organs and piano I would mm -hmm. just make up my own songs and it would like put me in this trance mm -hmm. and flow states music to me helps me align but then as you evolve in life like there's so many things and I love what you said about the more you chase the less you get of it that's the goal right we want to get in flow state so that we're aligned to this universal energy this quantum energy where everything is possible because we're connected to our truth to the truth of who we are energetically and, and in connection and relation to the universe. With my earlier life, what I realized is when I kind of carried this attitude and I'm very self-aware, I've been seeing energetics my whole life. So I kind of would see the state of energy, the universe and could see beings and see people's physical body forms visually and a sense of knowing. So even with that, I realized when I kind of just surrendered and thought, okay, whatever, and kind of had like that sassy teenager mentality or what I call like the snooty European attitude, which I love Europe and I love European, so I'm not naming that, but just just like that attitude of like, oh, whatever, you know, whatever. When I have like a no care attitude and I drop my energy on everything that I'm thinking or wanting or putting my intention towards, I set my intention, I drop it. My natural state of being goes into flow state and the whole universe conspires energetically to draw that into me. And that's why I've seen the biggest quantum leap and up levels in my life. You have that. You can connect with not only your flow state, but then full surrender mode of dropping expectation. Then all of a sudden, it's like a whole new life in a split second unfolds and opportunities show up at your door. People show up at your door. I mean, the greatest experience experiences in life can show up in a split second, you know, and change oh, yeah. everything. And so that's, that's why we have interest in flow states, because it feels really good when you're in your natural state of being. And that's what the enlightenment, that's what the attainment is for. That's what's calling us. Yeah, it, it goes back to how do we interact with the universe? Thoughts are electric, emotions yes. are magnetic. So you send a thought out, you pull things toward you that you are feeling. Knowing that that's our interaction with the universe, you get to have those massive downloads, those shifts, those transformations, the right opportunity, the right people mm -hmm. showing up. How many times have you, I don't know, needed a painter and all of a sudden someone shows up that's a painter or knows a painter or you're looking for a new car and all of a sudden things just happen in front of you. The universe is always conspiring to help you. It's just you have to be open enough to actually see it. And that goes the same thing exactly. for healing. Your body is meant to be healthy and will tell you all these amazing signals. Pain is a signal. Fatigue is a signal. Headaches are a signal. Everything is a signal. Nothing is fundamentally good or bad. It's just information. Being unhappy is a signal. Mm -hmm, exactly. And so, and, and that's something that we're really in right now is I'm seeing a massive epidemic with, I mean, men 
primarily, but I think it's across the board that everybody is successful, not happy. Yeah. And that is something that's become entrained that in order to be successful, I must be stressed. In order to be XYZ, I must feel this emotion. I have to always feel busy. I have to always feel overwhelmed. Whatever story it is, it's not real. That's what leads to burnout, depression. There's a massive epidemic right now with young males, anywhere from like 25 to 45, having debilitating depression and they have the highest suicide rate right now. It's because of burnout and no one's really talking about it. It's mm-hmm. this moral injury that's happening where they get so disconnected and over-communicated that they don't know how to access health, access healing, ask for help when really it's available. And when we play the game of constantly being over-communicated and the only antidote for an over-communicated mind is an oversimplified one. We don't know how to up-level and we don't know how to find those quantum leaps and we don't know how to get quiet and find the real help that we need. And that has been a really big interest for me lately. Yeah. Perfect segue because you're developing a program to help not just mm-hmm. men, but women with this and really come back to sacred masculine, sacred feminine and embody that balance. Dive into that because I, I was going to ask you about it anyway. And then you're kind of leaning into that topic yeah. a little bit. So yeah, we touched on it. So yeah, take us through. Right, there's no language for it. There's mm-hmm. no support for it. So there can be no healing. If people don't have that natural quest to go and seek and search. It's not common in our community to talk about these things. I'm so excited that you're bringing something to life that's going to help shift that. Luckily, there has been a shift in the last 10 years of looking at mental health, where I think now more than ever it's talked about. I don't know if it's known how to handle it, but it's become more Mm -hmm. acceptable to say, I don't feel well. I think it still has a long way to go. And I think the the handling of it has been very um, mixed. I started a company. I have a business partner who is a very gifted therapist. He's been working in the consulting space for a long time, high-level CEOs, sales, you name it, everybody. He started out in Hollywood and I somehow wooed him away from producing movies into doing this company. It's called Interlude Consulting, and it is primarily based on accessing the primal leader that you are, accessing your biology. So biological leadership for the vast majority of time, we were in tribes. We were very tribal. We knew how to communicate. We knew how to identify danger. We knew how to identify abundance, how to survive. And we have all of these innate instincts in us that have now been dampened down by the uh, domestication of humans. We all live in our refrigerated box and sit in our refrigerated (laughs) cars and do all these things. So we've gotten very far away from our connection with nature. Our connection to health is our connection with nature, which is our connection to consciousness. And acknowledging that even the scent of rain is something we can all say is something vastly that we enjoy. Mm-hmm. Have you ever questioned why we enjoy that? Living in LA, anytime it would rain, you see people running out of buildings and everything. And I was like, what are you guys doing? They're like, it's raining. And it might be like a little bit drivel running out to get, you know, some access a little glimpse to, the, of it. to the rain. The smell of rain is is, is driven deep into our, our genetic code, our biology for 
safety. So whenever we, when we were living in tribes and it was raining, the predators couldn't hunt. So we had a night of, I am safe. Um, I don't have to worry about any of my family being eaten. I know that we're going to make it another night and we're going to live for another hunt and we're going to be able to provide. And so if something as trivial as the smell of rain taps into that genetic code, what other things are there? So this whole program is based off of tapping into those deep biological innate triggers that we have and accessing that inner animal that's in all of us, where a lot of us have dampened it down. We want to bring that up. And it's from a two-pronged approach where I take care of the vessel. I actually teach people how to master and lead their body because a leader is only as healthy as they are. And then along with my business partner, he builds the whole uh, mental aspect where we actually take people through an intense learning phase of how do we adopt these leadership protocols of how to lead yourself and how to lead your family, your company. And I guarantee you it will 10X your life. So you're basically mastering health, you're mastering your mindset, and you're mastering how to conduct yourself in a high speed way, but while accessing your inner animal. That's amazing. You're doing it for the feminine too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's coming. It's coming. <laughs> and like, yeah, you're doing it for the ladies out there as well. The ladies right? will not be excluded. <laughs> right. We need our wild woman ways. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you got to let them be wild. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh, this is so good. That makes so much sense. It is so missing in, in our lives and in our culture. But I think everyone's longing for something they don't even know. They can't even put their finger on. If anything, what I saw during the pandemic time period is that introverted base and time really really force people into an awakening, into a new sense of awakening. Because of that, there's a deeper longing for something more real and connected, just as you were talking about with your experience, where it really opened you up to connection. And then once you have that, you want the world to look and feel different. Mm. And then you're still standing in the same place. So it's incredible that you're providing this. I do see high level successful individuals, no matter how much you strive to achieve, if you're doing it in a way of past culture, society norms, you're not going to feel whole and complete because you're isolating yourself. You're disconnecting Mm -hmm. yourself from what's of your nature. That's incredible that you're bringing all of that together and offering that as a whole package. You've got all the different areas that people can really connect and tap in with themselves. Did you say you're going to have that as a telehealth where people, you have ways for people to call in and connect to Mm -hmm. both you with Gunstead Method, referrals or any advice or things like that as well as with this program. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yeah. The program that I'm involved in as far as interlude is not chiropractic related. So it's all advanced blood level analysis, gene testing, doing all those things and actually doing lifestyle modifications, full immersion. And it is one-on-one coaching. Actually, if people are out of the state or even out of the country, we, we actually fly to them for a certain amount of days and we do full immersion to actually get them started. And it's one-on-one coaching, Zoom, those types of things so we can help anyone anywhere in the world that's amazing amazing i'm I'm so excited to hear and learn more about this as as it evolves and comes together so so excited for you we could just keep going and going and going but i know our listeners are like (laughs) we're reaching like an hour and a half mark or so critical mass (laughs) yeah exactly but thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and knowledge with us you're such a great wealth of knowledge and inspiration and just in knowing you you know i know that i've said this before but 
in person and in speaking with you, I'm very sensitive to who I'm around because I am so in tune and aware and highly, highly sensitive. And so people's touch, even though I'm very social and very, you know, open to connecting with people at the same time who touches me or can adjust me or work with me is very limited because I end up taking on so much stuff. And you provide such a safe space for me to be able to show up and receive the physical care and facilitation that then allows me to go and do deeper inner work with myself. It's such a beautiful gift of what you're offering and that it's just your passion and your flow state. I love it even more. So cool. Just to kind of wrap up our conversation, if you could share with us a couple of your favorite ways to stay in wellness, like daily routines, what keeps you connected? I have my a specific morning routine. I think that's really what anchors me. Mm-hmm. I have two young girls. I have a, a two and a half year old and an eight month old. So it's it's been uh, a wrench <laughs> has been thrown into a lot of it, but uh, I do my best to wake up pretty early. I'm up at like 4.35 in the morning and I need my quiet time. I have a long runway to lift off and I have a lot of output throughout the day. So I'm, I'm like, okay, I need to start slow. I need to find my quiet. I need to have my morning water, my coffee. So like I slowly ramp myself up. I do morning journal time. So gratitude and then I do an affirmation. What's interesting about affirmations is I, I found this like kind of in a roundabout way. I think the reason why people don't completely resonate with affirmations is they don't believe them. Mm-hmm. So making sure that when you set up a gratitude practice and an affirmation practice, it's something that's believable and it's actually very small things that build to bigger things and that's how you transform your life. So I go through gratitude, I go through affirmation and then I do try to find like a flow state writing. Even if it's I write one sentence of me saying, I don't want to write today. It can be, <laughs> But a lot of times it turns into something. And so I do my my gratitude, my affirmations, my writing while I'm drinking my my coffee. I don't think coffee's bad for you. So I do drink it. And then I start my day. And that probably takes anywhere between 15 minutes to one hour. It just kind of depends. I try to invest a little bit in myself in that time as well, whether it's listening to a speaker on YouTube or reading a book or whatever it may be. So that's like my time. And that's how I set up the beginning of my day, knowing that my day is very unique in the sense that I see a lot of people and I'm like very thankful to be around a lot of people and grateful to serve them. They are there for themselves. They're not there for me. So I pour into myself as much as I can so I can outpour and hold space all day. At night, I have my wind down time. I get home, I spend some time and have some dinner and then I get to bed at a decent time and wash, rinse, repeat. I have my exercise routine, which is again, thrown through a loop for our, our <laughs> latest edition. Uh, But I I do my best to to exercise pretty frequently anywhere between three and six times a week. And so I do my best to just take care of my mind, take care of my soul, take care of my body. And that way I can outpour and deliver as much good and as much hope to as many people as I can. That's beautiful. I just, I love that you have your routine, but it's also so soulful, you know, in that routine. Beautiful and inspiring practice. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Thank you so much for joining us today. I know you have so many amazing things coming up and going on. I'm going to make sure that all of that is in the show notes so everyone knows how to connect with you. But it is always so inspiring and uplifting anytime that we get to connect and chat in conversation. There's such, so similarities and passions that just light us up and inspire us that we could just talk and talk and talk and talk. You've shared so many amazing tools with me and I've like sent a bunch your way. So it's so great to be able to connect that way and share that passion knowledge. I hope for everyone listening that they have felt that and connected with that as well. Let's keep the flow going. I love it. (laughs) Let's do it. Thank you for having me. 
I hope this conversation has opened the doorway to curiosity in your own life and health. Personally, the day I began questioning and opening that door, becoming my own life and health advocate, everything changed for the better. All the links to connect with Dr. Lars and the resources we mentioned are listed in the show notes below. Thank you, friends, for listening in. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And if this episode resonated for you, I'd be so grateful for your likes and reviews. It goes a long way in helping us keep this show in motion. So much coming your way. Amazing guests, new episodes, and a lot happening at Chaos and Calm. Make sure you check out chaoscalm.com for all the news on courses, trainings, classes, events. And while you're there, take a look at all the free resources, tools, and inspiration. You can join in more of the conversation and community by clicking the link below for the In the Calm community. All my love, friends. I hope you have the most amazing week ahead. See you soon.